I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Happy Monday, everyone. It is the day before the most boring draft the Coyotes will ever participate in um, because they won't draft until the fourth round. Um, To get into a lot of that and a lot of other weird things that are the life we are living in right now due to the pandemic and a an odd time frame for the NHL season um, is I have to first introduce my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie. How you doing? Hello, Corey. It was uh, a very, a very good week this week for multiple reasons. Number one, the Rams won today on Sunday. They beat the Giants. Thankfully it was close 17 to nine, but they still won. That's all that matters in the record book. Number two, thanks to that and the Oakland Raiders scoring a late touchdown against the Buffalo Bills. I, I won a bet. I won a bunch of bets this weekend. So I made some money on Bobata, which is always good. There's something else that happened this week, which I'll bring up in a moment. Cause I, I, that I wanted to surprise you with and but the only thing that sucks about this week is that Lurie just before I hit record, to do the episode before we went live you you broke out the fact that you made like a chocolate coca-cola cake and you did not share any with me and i'm very very disappointed in the fact that i did not get to try that delicious cake that you described for me i mean there is still cake left i made it last night and i made it in like a big ass pan like a like a full cake pan so, you know, if you want some cake, drop by and pick up some cake. That's a great idea. Maybe I'll do that. I'll just like, I'll just sneak in like un- unsolicited. And so you could like kick me out for solicitation and I'll just show up and knock on your door and be like, I'm here for cake. Can I have some please? And, and Scotty wouldn't even flinch at that. He'd be like, Corey, Richie's here for cake. <laughs> 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 not even surprised even in the slightest that's the uh only way like we, we don't because of the pandemic Corey and i don't hang out all that often as much as we usually do because we you know we're trying to stay distant as much as possible except for our our movie nights that we are have been doing over the last couple months which i have an idea for next week's movie and that's my that's my other thing i want to touch on momentarily but that's the excuse. That's the only reason you're going to get me over to your house is when you make cake. <laughs> well, and that's, and I guess that's the other thing I could do too, is I could make cake for our next movie night and just bring over a cake for movie night. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. And you can surprise us. You can surprise Kat and Izzy and I with whatever cake you decide to make. Well, that's what I mean. Like, there's also like in the book that I got. There's some really good cookies. There's there's pumpkin chocolate chip cookies. Pumpkin chocolate chip cookies. Yep. Oh. Oh my. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll bring you guys over some pumpkin chocolate chip cookies because that's going to be the next thing I'm going to want to make. So. I am 100% okay with that because I'm a big. Obviously, I'm a big pumpkin guy. 
I'm drinking right now, as I do most episodes of the show, um, when I'm not drinking booze, I'm drinking the Starbucks uh, pumpkin cold brew, which is amazing. Like we and we, I feel like we bring it up on every show, but it's pretty much we should call the show "Sporty with Corey and Richie," fueled by Starbucks pumpkin cold brew. <laughs> Even though we're not sponsored, but. It's funny because, like, I didn't feel as basic, bitch, because that's, like, I'm a big cold brew person, like, through and through. I just really like cold brew. Um, and, which, it was funny because, like, the the Blue Jackets podcast on here was giving me shit about it, saying that, like, you know, that in Arizona, we don't get taught the correct way to drink coffee. Okay, fuck you, first of all. You don't have to deal with it being triple digits for like months on end i mean it is october 4th and it was 102 today fuck no yeah fuck off with the hot coffee bullshit when it's 105 outside in october exactly like it is obscenely hot here and it's what everyone else considers to be quote-unquote fall like we have hot weather and then nice weather that's it. We don't have seasons. So I don't understand why you would be calling me out for my cold brew when in all reality, it, I mean, there's no way to really win in Arizona because when you go inside, like when I go into work, it's fucking cold because everyone like cranks their air conditioning up to like a hundred percent every single time. I don't get it. But like, so you go into a building, it's really cold and then you go outside, it's really hot. But like, I would much rather have a cold brew and just be nice and chilly than like to be drinking hot coffee outside when it's really hot just gross yeah 100 i even do i even do iced coffee in the winter and i get made fun of for that because like i'll go to dutch bros you know in the mornings when it's you know when the 50s or whatever and i'll get hit iced coffee and i think i get a weird look from the from the people at dutch bros who are like Ice coffee when it's 50 degrees outside? Are you nuts? I'm like, yeah, I'm nuts. Because I don't... Fun fact, I think we talked about this before. I don't do hot coffee. Ever. Yeah, that's what... I mean, you always agree with with my cold brew thing in in the summer because of the fact that you don't ever do um, hot coffee. Which, to me, like, there are certain times. There are definitely certain times. Like, okay, for example, um, uh, most of you probably know at this point... um, Richie and I spent a fair amount of time um, at Oceanside Ice Arena in Tempe when we were in college. And uh, that place may be the coldest place on earth outside of the North and South Poles. Um, And as they're melting, it probably actually it's probably colder in there. So um, that is the place I not only had to have hot coffee, but I also had a drop by the Bevmo that is over there and get some Bailey's and, or Kahlua and put it in my coffee just to warm my ass up. So how you can go into a situation like that, have iced coffee. That's when I'm concerned. Oh yeah. 100%. So one last, um, I'm also speaking of pumpkin chocolate cookies, which is why we're talking about this somehow. Um, I also got a pumpkin pumpkin scone from Starbucks which is also delicious. So I'm very much in the pumpkin mood. So on our next movie night, I, I cannot wait for this, for to try Corey's chocolate pumpkin cookies. It, they sound delicious already. And speaking of movies, 
I'm about to surprise you here and get your reaction to the movie in which we should watch next. Uh, I have the trailer pulled up here, and I want you to see how quickly you can guess the movie. And I hope you've seen this trailer. It's amazing. I released movie film which brought great shame to Kazakhstan. Yes, this is the new Borat movie. Borat 2. Oh, funny. Well, as soon as he, he started talking, I knew that it was Borat, but I didn't. Um, I don't think I've seen the uh, like the new trailer for the new Borat movie. I don't even, I'm not even sure I watched the first one. Like I've seen clips of it and I've seen like pieces of it, but I've never actually like watched the full thing. Wait, you've never seen the original Borat movie? Negative, I have not. Oh my gosh. Well, you should. It's well worth a watch, even 15 years later. It's it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And you'll understand why everybody still makes Borat references 15 years after the fact. I want to play a little bit more of the trailer here. You can watch it afterwards, Corey, if you want. But just to get an idea for the ridiculousness ridiculousness. That is uh, the second movie. This is a, a part of the trailer where Borat apparently has a daughter now that he brings with him to America. And she goes to this cupcake shop and she wants this cupcake that is blue with a little baby doll on top that is not edible. And she just takes a gigantic bite out of this cupcake and accidentally swallows the the baby top. That's like a toy, basically, that you see in for like you know, gender reveals and stuff like that. And then this is, this is, this is the outcome of that. This is hilarious. With the baby on it. Oh. I have a baby inside me. Can you take it out? No, we cannot. That's not what we do here. I feel bad because I was the one who put the baby in her. <laughs> did you ever put one in your daughter? No, I did not. There you go. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> so there you go. What do you think? Borat 2 comes out on Amazon Prime later this month in the last week of October, right before the election. That should be our, our next movie of the month. All right. Have, have you told Kat? Yes. Is Kat in on this too? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very excited to see the, the movie as well. Okay, this should be good. This should be very interesting. I can't wait. It's Sasha Baron Cohen is an absolute genius. So I am very excited for this movie. Also, something that we are excited for, at least I think in both terms of both of us, Corey, is that the draft is this week. Free agency is upcoming. There's a lot of trade rumors surrounding a player who we've had an interesting uh, relationship with on this show, and that we're talking about Albrecht Malarson. Is he going to be traded? Is he not going to be traded? There are two teams on the list right now, and that is, of course, Vancouver and Boston, because Oliver does indeed have a no-move clause, so he can pick which teams he wants to go to, and those are the two teams on his list. We talked a little bit about this last week. It still hasn't happened yet, but do you think we get an Oliver Ekman-Larsen trade, Corey, this week. This is some banana land shit. Like, let's let's just start it there with the fact of there's so many different things that are kind of crazy in all of this. Like, obviously, the Coyotes would like to try and get a higher up 
pick because you know they don't draft until um 111 i think um so that would try to encourage them to make a a bigger move like moving oel um however even when, if that happens, uh, three of the people that are trying to make the decisions in the future of this team um, won't be allowed to be in that room, according to, um, like, to per, per proprietary agreements to their previous teams. So, um, you know, that would be Armstrong, Plandowski, and Decord. That they, they all wouldn't be able to be a part of this. So that's that's one crazy thing. And then you have to go into the fact of the craziness that is OEL and the fact that he has chosen these two teams as like the two places that he will go. Um, he's always had an affinity for Boston um, for quite a while now. And so that was kind of expected, but Vancouver, um, they're probably going to be the team that is going to fight for him more. They have more of a reason to than Boston does it, but to me, one of the things that I, as much as I would like for there to be the Coyotes to trade OEL and get a really good return for him, that is like the best case scenario, you know, drop that 8.25 over the next seven years. I'll do wonders for the salary cap. The problem that I'm having with all of this is the people who were – heard that he had was limiting it to only two teams and all these people that were like, Oh yeah, that's okay. You know, with, with how great of a player he is, he, um, he can do that. And that to me doesn't, it, it's not correct because of the fact that yes, he, he probably does get a little bit of a ding being a coyote. I feel like people are always constantly like, Oh, they play for the coyotes. It knocks them down a couple pegs. And, but like, to all of a all of a sudden say he's a lot better than what he is um, because of the fact that he might be moving to another team is is kind of a stretch for me. Like it's he's not the caliber of player that can be too choosy. And the fact that like this actually makes it a lot harder, and it makes you wonder if um, he really does want to move because he knows that this would be making it a lot more difficult. His contract is part of the problem. He hasn't had a very good season, and he also um, really has been kind of known to have had issues kind of leadership and locker room-wise this year. And then to try and push all that out, I think this is turning into more and more of a difficult sell than I would like it to be. I think, well, I mean, I think it always was going to be a tough sell to a lot of teams because of that ridiculous freaking contract. I've said it on this show for the last, I feel like a month. Every time we bring up OEL and I keep trying to tell people, I mentioned this on the after hour show on Saturday for the hockey podcast network too, which you can go find on the hockey podcast network, uh, Twitter, Instagram, or excuse me, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, all that kind of stuff on Twitch too. I was basically like, listen, I know that the Coyotes aren't going to get much for Oliver Ekman Larson because of that contract. And I don't blame them. You know, if I were another team and in the case of the Bruins and especially the Vancouver Canucks, they're kind of 
handicapped a little bit by in terms of their salary cap situation to begin with, right? Boston's big sticking point with Oliver Malarson right now seems to be whether or not they're going to re-sign Tory Krug. And I would imagine Tory Krug is a big piece of that lineup for the Boston Bruins. I would imagine that they would want to keep Tory Krug over bringing in Oliver Ekman Larson. Tory Krug, I don't know what his contract would would likely be in free agency, but you have to imagine it would be in that seven to eight million dollar range for Tory Krug, maybe a little bit less. But if you're the Bruins, why don't you keep the guy that was a big part of your run to the Stanley Cup final? What I guess it was a last season, basically. Instead of going after an Oliver Ekman Larson, who, and I, I, I saw a bunch of this on Twitter this week, where when the rumors started to pop up, where people were looking into his analytics, and it's just been a deep dive. It's been a fall off the cliff for Oliver Ekman Larson ever since he's been like 26. And so, for both of those teams, Vancouver and Boston, they're the team that's taking on the risk here, and I don't blame them. And in the case of Oliver Ekman Larson, I think he's doing the right thing and saying these are the two teams I want because you're forcing the Coyotes' hands. Oliver Ekman-Larsen has all the leverage right now. He's the one with the big contract. He's the one that gets to dictate where he wants to go based on his contract. That's what it states. And that's kind of similar to what Phil Kessel was going through last year where he chose to go to Arizona. I was going to work out really well in the first season because of his injuries and his underperformance and he's getting older, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But... With Oliver Ekman Larson, I think he's handling this the right way. And I want to play a piece of audio from Sportsnet up in Canada and Elliot Freeman, one of their insiders on Hockey Central, where he's talking about giving us an update on the Oliver Ekman Larson situation. And what he is essentially is is saying here is essentially kind of what I, I was just saying, which is, you know, he's refusing to budge off of that two-team list playoffs are insiders Chris Johnston and Elliot Friedman gentlemen hope you're rested because it's Saturday so we need the inside scoop once again on what's happening around the National Hockey League let's start out in the desert all sorts of news and let's start with OEL Elliot the simplest thing I can tell you with OEL David is that the Arizona Coyotes asked him if he would be willing to expand his list of teams beyond two and the answer was no Ekman Larson is only willing to stay at Boston or Vancouver so that's how Arizona has to proceed if it wants to get this done um, Bill Armstrong, who's the new GM of the Coyotes, another team reminded me that he was the assistant in St. Louis when they made the Ryan O'Reilly deal with Buffalo. And if you look at the template of that trade, there was some salary exchange there. Berglund and Sobotka were part of that deal, but it was Tage Thompson, a first and a second. And that's what he would like to do, I think, if he can. Um, I believe that the Coyotes like the prospects in Boston better than they like the prospects in Vancouver. But I think at this point in time, Vancouver might be the team that is more eager to get the deal done than Boston in terms of the want. Boston can always go back and say, hey, we've got Tory Krug, we can re-sign. Vancouver's in a position where I think they're looking at it like we could have Hughes and Ekman Larson on the left side of our defense for a long time. So we kind of like that. But... There's salary cap considerations there, too. So I think it's a complicated deal. I think it's just those two teams. I think there's a will for both those teams to try. I think Arizona's trying to so score a similar deal that Ryan O'Reilly did with St. Louis and Buffalo. So that's kind of where we are right now. And, you know, I, I do think the Canucks like Ekman Larson. I just think they wonder if they can make it work under the cap and with a trade. 
So that leads me to my question for you, Corey, before we move on and talk about some other Coyotes news, including Michael Grabner, who is no longer an Arizona Coyote as of this weekend. Do you foresee the Coyotes... And then we've talked about this before, but now as we moved on in the process, do you foresee the Coyotes getting anything more than a draft pick, or do you foresee them getting players back in return, or or do you think it's kind of what I've been saying, which is basically it's just going to be take on this contract, and you can and that's it. I mean, this is such a difficult situation, and it's something we've never seen before. I mean, um, even Armstrong was was quoted saying that people are just staring at each other in the face, and as soon as one falls, they're all going to fall. Like, every GM is looking at each other right now like, shit, this is the hardest financial situation that, you know, they've ever been in, because no one's ever been in a pandemic. No one knows, you know, um, the exact start time of next season, how, you know, when fans will be back, all these different things. There's so many what ifs that are in these situations that um, it's very difficult for them to make these, some, some of these more riskier um, chances like this and taking on a contract like OELs that is much higher than, than it should be. And, and honestly, I think this was something that no one ever foresaw. Like when um, OEL and um, Keller got their contracts, Keller is 7.15 for eight years. Um, I think Trico definitely was trying to predict the fact that the market would be constantly going up and that the salary caps would raise and that, you know, he would end up saving money on them in the long run. But with the pandemic and everything else, it, it, it honestly all just kind of went the opposite direction. And I, and I don't think this is something that GMs particularly were planning for and are a hundred percent sure what to do with, but I, I still think that there's no way with the way that I'm hearing Armstrong, Armstrong talking about all of this. I just don't see that, that there's any way that he will, dish OEL without a solid deal, which to me speaks that he would get prospects out of this. I don't think he would do it unless he's going to get prospects out of it. And um, I mean, I feel like he would rather get some picks and some prospects and eat some of this contract than to just try and get rid of the contract altogether. And one thing to keep in mind, the Canucks and Bruins do not have first-round draft picks this season, so they'd have to be future considerations in the case uh, if that was the particular trade. There's also the trade. They don't have a first-round pick in 2021 either. Exactly. And there's also um, there there's also the possibility of Oliver Markson being traded at the trade deadline too if he doesn't get traded before the season. So keep that in mind. If And I would say that about Darcy Kemper too. I talked about that on – on after hours on Saturday night too, which is the possibility that if if some of these players don't get moved now, they might be pieces that might be moved to the trade deadline for, for towards contenders. Okay, so Michael Grabner has his tenure as an Arizona Coyote has come to an end. He was put on waivers to in uh, in order to be uh, bought out of his contract. He had one year remaining on his contract, which would have paid him $3.35 million this year. As a result, the Coyotes will take a small salary cap hit over the next two seasons. 
833,000 this upcoming season and 1.258 million during the 2021-22 season. So, saving a little bit of money but not much and with the Michael Grabner buyout. I'm not shocked he's not returning in the in the slightest uh, as we know he struggled to get in the lineup for a lot of the back half of the regular season, but man, he went out on a high note, did he not? He played really well in the playoffs, scored some big, massive goals, shorthanded goals against Colorado and against Nashville. And uh, so it's going to be uh, kind of sucks to see Michael Grabner go. I, a lot of fans really liked watching him play. And man, it's one of those things that you go, what if? What if? What would have had to happen to Michael Grabner if he didn't get that eye injury? Because he was playing on another level prior to that eye injury on the penalty kill. But after that, he just was not the same player, unfortunately. So he'll go somewhere. He'll get a nice bottom six roll somewhere and, and contribute on the penalty kill and continue to showcase his speed. But I think this was ended up being a, a pretty good move and not an unsurprising one for Bill Armstrong and the Coyotes. Yeah, I mean, I wish the best of luck to him. I mean, he, he really started to find his stride again. It took him all the way to the point of that playoff the once that he went into the bubble, he decided to go into the bubble. That was kind of actually the point when he started to hit his strides and it had just been very long. Cause I think it was like December, 2018, somewhere in there that he got that eye injury. So um, it's been a while and it's taken him some time, but I hope, you know, the team see that he did finally start to get hit his stride at, it took him, a decent amount of time obviously which you would have to have to fight would have to factor in sorry um but um I think he should get some real looks because of the fact that that is some perseverance for him to have gone through that eye injury and to really be getting back into a place where you know he put in the time and the effort to give it all he had when he came into the bubble so I definitely um wish him the best and where whatever he does from here on out. And according to Craig Morgan, he spoke to Grammar's agent, Jerry Buckley, who made it clear that Grammar wants to keep playing despite the eye injury that he suffered in December of 2018. And of course he, as you mentioned, Corey uh, was on the fence whether or not he wanted to even play inside the bubble. And he did. Here's what Bill Armstrong told Craig Morgan. He said, with this particular asset that we had, it was just a business decision. There's so many moving pieces right now, but that was one thing that came back again and again. Unfortunately, that was a decision we had to make. It's always a tough decision, and that was one of them. You know, it's hilarious to me when I read that. It's like Michael Grabner is a man. He is a human being. And Bill Armstrong, in typical general manager fashion, goes, with that particular asset. Well. <laughs> Well, and that's it. And that's the hard part of it. And that's the thing that I always try and remind people in the end, because people forget that um, there's two very starkly different sides of the world of sports. So there is the world of sports that is, um, you know, it's a business, it's entertainment, it is basically there's not much of a difference between you going to watch Cirque du Soleil and you going to watch a hockey game. And the fact that they are made for your entertainment and they make money off of entertaining you. And though the players are the talent 
And so that's why they get paid the big money. And then all the people who work behind the scenes don't really get paid as much. Um, when it comes to uh, the other part of it, that people forget is there is a personal element to it. These are people, the people who are on the ice, giving it their all, these are their lives, these are their families, their children. They know what they're signing up for when, obviously not their children don't, but like the wives and the family members know, you know, kind of what they're signing up for when they have a significant other or whoever that is um, playing in the NHL. But you have to feel for him, but you also have to understand from Armstrong's point of view, someone who was brought in to do a job and had to be on the business side of things, that he has to look at it that way and take the emotion out of it. Because if not, he can make a bad decision if he lets his emotions play into it. And I think that's the reason why he uses such verbiage like that. But it's just so hard because of the fact that these are human beings that you're talking about. And that is a decision that affects him, him, his livelihood and his family that, you know, you, I feel like people are either on one side or the other. They're very um, personal minded where they, they think about the players and how they're affected a lot of times, or they think about it from a business point of view where they are just assets and they're like chess pieces essentially. Um, but I don't think anyone ever really sits down and looks at it both ways to understand that there are two very starkly different um, parts of the NHL. couple more nuggets before we wrap up this episode and get you off to the draft week and free agency week. First thing is from the Elliot Freeman's 31 Thoughts on Darcy Kemper. He says this, the sheer volume of free agent goalies is affecting the trade market at the position. Teams are wondering if it's worth giving up an asset when they can simply sign someone. Pittsburgh has wanted to run into that issue as it tries to clear its crease. Therefore, it's not a total surprise that word seeped out Arizona's preference is to keep Darcy Kemper. I wouldn't put that in stone because anything can happen, but the winds are blowing in a different direction. And this is something that you talked about last week, Corey, in your, in, uh, in your little... I'll call it a Corey's Corner rant about keeping Darcy Kemper. So you seem to be getting your wish, and I kind of understand why this why this would be happening with Darcy Kemper because there are. I was looking. Here's a list of free agents in the, as far as goaltenders are concerned right now. You have Henrik Lundqvist, Braden Holtby, Corey Crawford, Jimmy Howard, Craig Anderson, Matt Murray, Jacob Markstrom, Thomas Grice, Cam Talbot, Anton Hudobin. Those are the biggest names that are available right now, and that's a lot. And so you can see why maybe teams would want to go in that direction. But in my opinion, Darcy Kemper is just on a different level, right? I don't think any of those guys on that list are Vesna caliber. There, there's some good goaltenders out there and you can get them for a decent price, but you're not going to get a Vesna caliber goaltender for four and a half million dollars for the next two seasons. Like you can Darcy Kemper. And I was explaining this on after hours on Saturday too. I was like, Darcy Kemper's just different than a lot of these other goaltenders. He's, in my opinion, the best goaltender on the market right now. And if you really want to go get, put yourself over the top, go and get yourself that goaltender, even if it means giving up a couple of picks and a couple of prospects. Because he's going to be worth it because of his contract and because of how well he's played. 
and he can put you over the top as opposed to some of these other guys who are good. You know, Anton Hujobin was great in the playoffs, obviously. Henrik Lundqvist is a legend and a Hall of Famer, but he's not going to, you know, he's not going to put you over the top, right? Yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury possibly on the market in Vegas, and, you know, he's on the back end of his career. So I, I wonder now if uh, if that's going to be the case and the Cutters decide to keep Darcy Kemper. And like I mentioned, and somebody brought this up to me on After Hours too, maybe they decide to trade him at the trade deadline and maybe they'll get more for him then. I mean, I, I couldn't be happier with this because of the fact that I have said this all along where I just really don't want Darcy Kemper to move out of anyone because of the fact that uh, I think that he may be the only person that can keep this team competitive if everything else falls apart. And in, in a essentially a rebuild, that's kind of what you're expecting. But what I like to see when, so he had talked to Craig Morgan and Craig Morgan had like a quote saying, it's a unique situation for the Coyotes because they moved their 2020 first pick for a haul while the NHL took the other one in 2021. You're going, uh, you're trying to move the franchise ahead any way that you can with assets that you have while still at the same time trying to keep a competitive team. There's balance there, but we're going to explore every option to make sure that we find the best solution and the best way to move forward as an organization, which makes me so freaking happy because this is basically what I've been preaching for like weeks now. I just, I've been preaching the exact same shit. If you are going to get the earth, the sun and the moon for him, okay. But if not, you need to still have a competitive team. There's a balance here. There, yes, anyone can be traded and anyone is on on the market right now from the coyotes because of the fact that they do need to rebuild. However, you have to do that intelligently. If there is someone that has the talent of Darcy Kemper, you better be getting it's it's one of those like to me, you better prove to me that that was the right fucking choice. There better be a damn good reason. And that is kind of what I was getting out of um Bill Armstrong's uh response there was the fact that he basically was just saying like everything is nothing's off the table but at the same time it has to be perfect because we need to still have a competitive team so if trading that one very prominent competitive piece can be replaced with new competitive pieces then 100% go for it but it can't jeopardize the competitiveness of this team to possibly work out down the road. And I like that mentality that he's coming out with it. Got one more piece of Coyotes news to get to before we wrap up the show. But before we do that, uh, we both, Corey and I, I think both of us are on the same page here, which is today is October the 5th, Monday, October the 5th. That means that if you're listening to us on Monday, like a lot of you do as soon as the show is released, and you're listening to us in Arizona, it's voter registration deadline day today. So if you're listening to us right now and you are not registered to vote, press pause on this episode, do us a favor, 
Stop listening to us right now. Go online to the Maricopa County Recorder's Office website or the, the Arizona Secretary of State's website and register to vote right now. Do it. It's the last day. It's very important. Make sure you are registered and make sure you are registered for your early ballot too, which is what I do every time I've voted. I've never actually once voted in person. Shocker. I know. So go get your early ballots. Vote by mail. Healy River Arena is going to be a drop-off place right prior to the election. You can go online and figure out the details there. But seriously, I mean it. Go register to vote. If you haven't already, do it. If you learn one thing from this podcast today, it's don't trade Darcy Kemper according to Corey. And for me, go register to vote, damn it. Thank you. <laughs> I like that, Richie. That was very good. Yes, I, I 100% agree. Go vote. It is your rights, and especially for all you females out there, there is so much history and so much that the women before you have done in order to make it possible for you to vote. So please go fucking do it. You know, that that's the one that always rubs me the wrong way is when you ladies out there don't go vote because there, I won't even go into like all of the details but there's a, there's um, something when a whole bunch of them got arrested. I always use that as it's it's kind of graphic. I won't um, say it on the podcast, but I always use that as an example with my friends of like, um, you know, they went through all of that and sacrificed so much so that way you could vote. So don't let what they went through be for nothing because you're not voting. And. 2020 is the 100th anniversary of women gaining the right to vote, thanks to the 19th Amendment, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, go do it today, right now. Do it. Early voting starts on October 7th, by the way, so you'll be getting your ballots in the mail very, very shortly. Okay, last kind of thing before we wrap it up here. One last little nugget from Elliot Freeman kind of slipped this in there a little bit, and that is, he says, I also wonder if the Cowboys test the market on Clayton Keller which doesn't surprise me because if teams are smart, that's kind of what you do. Like I think you're listening at all times and you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't do that. Clayton Keller's new contract kicks in this year. It's going to average him out to a little over $7 million in terms of annual average per season over the next, I believe, seven years. And so it's a big contract for the Coyotes. Five over eight years. Say that again? 7.15 over eight years. Yeah, thank you very much. And so it's a big contract, but he's still very young. And so if I'm the Coyotes, do I trade Clayton Keller? Probably not. He's he's still learning how to do this and he's just streaky, you know, right now. And uh, I think he'll get he'll get better. I don't think we've seen him peak yet in his rookie season. He just needs to learn to be more consistent. Um so I, I hope they don't deal Clayton Keller. I, I'm not ready to bail on him yet. Not even close to ready to bail on him yet. Unless somebody walks up to him and just gives him a whole heck of a big old haul for Clayton Keller, which I don't think will happen. But anyway, just something to look out for, according to Elliot Freeman. I think I saw uh, Craig Morgan uh, mention it, too, in one of his uh, latest articles. I would like to throw out another alternative. What do you think about Stepon? He has a $6.5 million contract for another year. 
I we brought this up on the show before, and I think Derek Derek Stepan is a, a very good trade candidate, in my opinion. Again, he's an ex, he's an expiring contract. He's not going to come back after this season. So if you can move him, I think he'd be a nice fit elsewhere. His cap hits a little high for somebody on the decline, but he brings in a lot of leadership abilities. He he's going to be good in the room with the team. I think he can contribute in terms of playing on a team's bottom six if they need a bottom six center. And I think he'd be a good fit elsewhere. I would, I would like to see him go because I'm a big fan of Derek Stepan. And we've said on this show before in a previous iteration of the show that he should have gotten the captaincy to begin with, not Oliver Ekman Larson. We've never hit we've never hit that fact before. But I, I, I agree. I think that if you can move that contract, and, and I think we brought up in the past like Alex Goligoski contract, if you can move out of those contracts, I think that's the best the best thing that the Coyotes can do. Granted, that means you you're moving out two of your biggest you know veteran presences on the team. I don't know if you want to do that right now as a team that's trying to rebuild. But I'm glad you brought up that that Derek Stepan contract because I do think he's going to be shopped, and maybe they'll find a taker. Probably won't get much for him, but it's worth a look around for sure. Yeah, I I just bring it up because of the fact that it is no secret this team is going to have to do something to deal some of these contracts that are the higher contracts out of there. And, and Stepan is one of the higher contracts. I mean, you know, Clayton Keller obviously is going, is higher than his, but Clayton Keller has higher value. So, um, uh, but I, I, at the same time, I'm not opposed to seeing that possibly happen as well. I mean, I do think that there is a good possibility for Keller um, he he's a great player who's a little bit streaky, but his size also becomes a factor sometimes. And that has been one of the issues that the Coyotes have had for a while is a problem with size. And they've never particularly been a heavy team. Um, that's not particularly what Keller's there for, but it, it does become a factor and you can see it um, at times. It, he just doesn't have the same wherewithal that a lot of players do that are his size. You, you have to be able to um, avoid getting into situations where you're basically having to either grind it out or getting hit with some really hard checks because it, you can see how hard it is for him to recover and how he doesn't have the stamina to fight a lot of those type of battles. So um, it, that I think is always going to be a factor if he's obviously this team is being rebuilt so they might be bringing in some some more size like for him to to help him out some but that will always be a little bit of an issue for him and and believe me I'm one of the people that absolutely hates that because as the as the league goes further and further into a finesse type of style of play um size will matter less and less and less but I still think that it will always be a factor and on a team that doesn't necessarily have the the grit he's it's going to be more apparent that Keller has a hard time dealing with that and with that we're going to wrap up this edition of the the sporty and Corey show as I like to call it now you can call it whatever you want, Richie. You can call it the Richie Show for a day if you feel like it. Just, uh, just don't keep it that way.
Yeah, I'm not going to change it. I just screwed up there. I was trying to tweet out something at the same time as trying to speak. Didn't work out too well. Not Richie, I was just playing with it with with you. I was trying to give you acceptance and I was going to let it just like roll and let you not have to acknowledge that you probably screwed up and <laughs> this is what you do. I, I acknowledge my mistakes when I make them. Oh, well, okay. that's, that's very mature of you. Okay. At least that's something. Sporty with Corey and Richie is the show. Thank you for listening to the show this week. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find links to our merch store there. You can find, of course, a link to the show to listen to uh, all anywhere you want. If you're listening to us right now, you should subscribe to us, rate us, and review us. All that jazz. Tell us how great we are. Let us know how wrong we are at times because we can do that from time to time. And then, uh, yeah, register to vote today, Sporting Nation. Go do that. And if you're living elsewhere, go check your voter registration deadlines. Make sure you register to vote if you're listening to us out of state. Um, Anything else? Oh, HockeyPodNet. Go follow them on Twitter and Instagram, HockeyPodNet. They're on Facebook, too. All that jazz. They have a Patreon. You can go subscribe to the Patreon, listen to After Hours, all that goodness. Um, Any last words, Corey, before I say bye-bye? Good night and good hockey, everybody. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it. Do you want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bolts broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. Anthony? Anthony Nunschwander. It's, it's N-E-U-E-N. It's Neuenschwander. Anthony Neuenschwander. Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on. You only took it for four years. I took it for two. Took it for two years? Oh, no. Jay don't yeah. took it that long. I, I took it for two years and was, like, asleep in all of German, too. Oh, you, you, you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't take yeah. it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was, like, me and, I don't know, five other people, and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us while she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible class. <laughs> no, uh, we weren't a terrible class. A couple people were terrible people. Uh, not going to mention names. Not going to call it anybody in this pod. It was Chase Crawshaw. It was 100% <laughs> not me. Oh, boy. I know a couple of those names, but, uh, yeah, it's a good point, Chase. We won't mention those here. New episodes every Monday, only on the Hockey Podcast Network.